Welcome to Million Dollar Voices with Kuaning Ten, where we spotlight the world's most successful entrepreneurs and business leaders, focusing on empowering women and youth in the realms of tech and sustainability. In each episode, Kuaning engages with different guests, exploring their journey to success, the obstacles they've conquered, and the secrets to building a million-dollar business. From tech visionaries to eco-conscious fashion idols, Million Dollar Voices grants you insider access to the thoughts and strategies of the world's most successful business leaders. Kuaning, a co-founder of Fund the Planet, is dedicated to fighting climate change and preserving nature by protecting the rainforest using traceable, transparent, and reliable approaches. Her background in entrepreneurship and sustainability makes her the perfect host to lead listeners through the strategies, insights, and inspirations of some of the most successful business leaders in the world. So, tune in to Million Dollar Voices with Kuaning and get ready to learn from the best. Without further ado, here's your host, Kuaning Ten. Hi, it's your host Kuaning here. Welcome to today's episode of our podcast. Featuring a true pioneer in the world of entrepreneurship and finance, Jenny Kuta, with three highly successful early ventures to her credit, Jenny is a free ex-founder veteran of Wall Street, a self-made millionaire, and a seasoned entrepreneur. Jenny's passion for the fintech industry and exploration of the opportunities that emerging technologies afford have made her a sought-after thought leader and influencer in the field. Today, we are fortunate to have Jenny with us to share her insights and wisdoms on entrepreneurship, finance, and the future of technology. So let's dive into the conversation with Jenny Kuta. Okay, so today we have Jenny with us. Do you want to give us an introduction about yourself? Sure. Real quick would be um, I'm a serial entrepreneur, three X founder. Third exit was in 2001. Currently, I'm on my fourth and fifth company. My fourth company is actually a fund, uh, Web3VCFunds.com, and my fifth company is actually. Web3 AI, so I'll leave it as that. Let's hop on the first question to you. So as a female VC founder, what got you excited about diving into the world of venture capital? And then how does it feel like in this kind of male-dominated world? You know, I, I got into the space um, because most people who do know me know that I am a, uh, a defender of women a defender of female startups. And overall, you know, I coach, I train, uh, I give women uh, strength and energy to be the best that they become. And if the question were to be, why is that? Well, the answers are clear. Within the last six to seven years, female founders all over the world only receive 2% of the entire funding pie. 98% of that pie goes to male founders. And I've been monitoring that data, 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 tomato, tomato, for the past six or seven years, and it has not budged. I wanted to see at least it goes up to 5%, and then maybe 7 and then 10%. No, never. It didn't even reach 3%. So. I'm disgusted by it. I believe that any female who 
who who has the the financial capabilities uh, to get into venture capital or at least be a solo GP, which is a general partner uh, or limited partners, which you don't have a lot of powers uh, or angel investor, uh, invest in in women, uh, invest in female founders because. Of, of, of anyone, they do need it the most. And that that's the core reason why I came into this space. And of course, another core reason why is to kick ass. That's pretty much it. And how, how do you feel like your experience? Because you're surrounded by so many men. And then like um, as a female, you know, and then also like with a color skin. And then how do you feel about this? Yeah, you're absolutely right about, you know, um, being a female and uh, the color of our skin, which obviously I'm Asian American, specifically Vietnamese Chinese, but I I I have tough skin, meaning not tough skin but thick skin. The reason why I have thick skin is because um, I started out from Wall Street, you know, since I was twenty, and Wall Street is predominantly male-dominated industry, you know. Fairly rarely any females are on Wall Street. And I am probably the only, uh, very few, probably top three, if not the only one, uh, female founder who founded two investment banking firms on Wall Street. And that's not an easy thing. So an investment banking firm is like, uh, a Goldman Sachs, but, uh, a local size. And so you got to have six, seven different security licenses to be able to run a broker dealer. And, and you have to get approval from the SEC. We all know what the S and they're very tough. And so for me to have done it twice, I founded my, my investment banking firms, both of them without the help of any lawyers. So that's the reason why my strength in the Web3 space or fintech has always been regulation. So because I know the ins and outs, because I founded two um, investment, ba- investment banking firms from the ground up. And so in terms of the boys club, you know, which is Wall Street, venture capital, tech, even Web3, my advice for women or female founders out there is that you can do it, you know. I mean, we're not zero percent against a hundred percent. We're at two percent of the hundred percent. So do try to get yourself into that two percent because it's possible. And 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 if you can't, you know, um, bootstrap, do your thing, and uh, eventually. You may get an exit with enough money and you can do what I do, um, help other female founders by uh, funding their startups. That is really inspiring. And then like, especially regarding SEC part, because we run business in Germany and then we have Bafin also. And then even though we have the lawyers still, you know, it took so much time and money effort to get through that kind of limitation, you know, so I truly admire. So since you mentioned only 2% of the women got funding, and then how crucial do you think about networking or like mentorship for women? And then like, um, do you think it's important for women founder? And how do you think 
we can make the connections with others, and then like what kind of things we should be aware of when you are making networking kind of activities, and then finding mentorship. Yeah. Um, I believe mentor mentorship is is a key part, and and uh of of startup founders, especially uh if the startup founders founded their first. Uh, startup again. Regardless if you are a male founder or a female founder, the reason is is that there are a lot of legal when you are a founder of a startup, such as here in the United States. Uh, the initial question would be, where should you domicile? Like, where should you incorporate your company? Now, most people, uh, like recently, there was a a startup founder that their project was pretty good. But when I was doing more due diligence of of their company, they they incorporated in uh, I believe it's in Vegas or or in in Florida. So most investors like myself, when we write a check to invest in startups, we wanted to see that startup having a potential of being a unicorn status, right? So if you are at, if you want your startup to be in a unicorn status, usually 95% of the time, people would incorporate in the state of Delaware. This is right here in the United States because Delaware is the state where it protects investor. And if you look at all of the biggest publicly traded companies out there from Facebook, Microsoft, Google, uh, Airbnb, uh, Uber, they, they're all incorporated out of Delaware, right? So if you, if you are a founder and if you do enough due diligence, the answers are actually out there for you, right? But if when I sit down with a deal, either myself or currently I'm leading a pool of fund, uh, around $25 million. And so I guide these funds and specifically, we only like to invest in deals that are out of Delaware, right? And so if you incorporated somewhere else, the chances that you may not get a check is a lot higher. So why would you want to place yourself in, in that spot? So back to the question, it's a great question, by the way, is, Mentoring is key because without mentoring, now look, okay, my final answer for this is that when I started out 20 years ago, uh, don't guess my age, I stumbled and I made a lot of mistakes because I didn't have mentoring. I do, but I don't. But that, that was what made me strong to this day. But because I made so many mistakes without mentoring. So unless you wanted to, but I got lucky because the past 20 years, even if I made mistakes, I, I think I'm pretty good today. Okay. But not many people will be that lucky. Okay. So if you are a newly startup founder, okay, seek advice of someone who has experience, someone like me. Okay. They've done it before. Um, most of the the senior entrepreneurs, they should have time 
to mentor new startups because that's that's how we grow the startup ecosystem. Okay, so uh, bottom line is, uh, yes, get ment- mentorship because it's important. It saves you a lot more money. If you ask the exact same question to a lawyer, they're going to send you an invoice. But if you ask, you know, people like me who've gone through it, I wouldn't send you an invoice, but I would give you my time because um been there, done that. And, and it's just a way of giving back. So that's my answer. Thank you so much. And talking about the woman, how about like those female founders out there? They are not lucky enough to meet you. And then what should they be aware of if they are seeking mentorship based on your experience? You know, it's a male dominant space. Well, you know, I mean... The world is actually smaller than we believe it is. Like, for example, you're in Germany and I'm right here in LA. Now, if, if, if we were to, uh, think about hopping on a flight and from LA to fly to Germany or from Germany fly to LA, that seems like a really long, 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 long time, right? But in the world of social media, Twitter is there. Unless Elon does something stupid and then Twitter gets shut down or something. So, but then there are other social networks that you can hunt down. You could go on LinkedIn. Worst case scenario, you just ask people, right? You search under, you know, the field that you're in. If it's Web3, you go on LinkedIn, you search. Uh, if it's on Twitter, you hashtag Web3, you're going to find some people. And then you just get on Twitter spaces or you send them a DM. I actually answer questions from almost everyone who asked me all over the world. Okay. So, you know, I mean, if they, if they, if they drop me a DM and if the, the question is sincere enough, I would take out, you know, five to seven minutes and I'll answer them. And even to the point, if, if the question is even more complex, then, then I would give them 10 or 15 minutes of my time via Zoom or something. Okay. So that's something that I do. I mean, obviously I can't do that every day, but I will probably put out X number of hours per month. And I randomly pick, you know, certain folks, uh, put them on schedule. My team will put them on schedule and, uh, and I wanted to help them. So if that helps people or startups, to um, not stumble or make mistakes, uh, that that's a great thing, you know. So, and not just myself. There are a lot of folks out there like myself. The only thing that I would advise is just reach out because uh, there's a saying here in America: "Slow's mouth don't get fed." Uh, right. Uh, yeah. So if your mouth is closed, how how can people feed you food? Right. Yeah. So there, there's, there's a phrase that says closed mouth, don't get fed. So open your mouth, ask, drop people a DM. Worst case scenario, they don't answer you. So you move on. But if you don't do that, you never know, like you might drop me a DM and then you wake up one day. Say, oh my God, Jenny Todd just answered me. See, you never know. So, uh, that's, that's what I think. So the world is a lot smaller than we believe. You can find within the community that you're in, like you're in Germany, you're in Japan, you're in Singapore, or just go on Twitter and you just reach out and you might get lucky. You never know. 
Interesting, because we also have a saying in Mandarin is, if you don't cry, you will never get candy. That is correct. Yeah. <laughs> I get that. I get yeah, that. Yeah, for the kids, you know. That's so, true. yeah, exactly. Okay, now getting to the business. So what kind of investment you are looking into? Like what kind of startups you are looking into? Your portfolio right now? What are you targeting? Since you're running 25 million fund, like what interests you? Yeah, so this pool, P-O-O-L, this pool of funds, they're interested in Web3 space. And or maybe because when I launch Web3VCFunds.com, I, I co-founded that. I'm only looking at folks who are interested to invest in the Web3 space because I think the Web3 space needs more liquidity, needs more adoption. And I, frankly, I love the Web3 space, you know, so I want to see it grow further. And so currently the, the pool of funds that I'm currently leading, you know, we're interested to look at Web3 projects. The only downside for the Web3 space is that it's still fairly early, okay? So unlike traditional companies where it has an EBITDA and uh, revenue, uh, traditional companies, most Web3 companies right now is, is like, like super early, okay? Uh, and so we, we have to be cautioned to, like I, I received like a bunch of projects and they're NFTs, right? Uh, just regular JPEG. So we, we're not going to invest in that. I mean, that's, I, I believe people out there. Okay. Hi, people out there. Um, is that the era, E-R-A, era, the era of JPEG NFTs is done and over. Okay. The next phase of NFTs, you have to have some kind of real world utilities. Okay. Uh, without real world uh, utilities, um, you're not going to get any funding at all. You got, you got, you got to web three folks out there. You got to form a company that innovate that the people around the world would need. Okay. Think of it more like a traditional company. Run it that way. Um, and then you definitely will be able to uh, raise capital. So yeah. So web three. And have you seen already some companies like um, incorporate good utility into this web-free kind of no matter with NFT, no matter with what, whatever, it can be a good application? Uh, yeah, actually, I'm looking at your company right now, um, but your company is in the wellness space. So I, I need to learn that because that's not my forte. So I'm also looking at a number of uh, blockchain companies. Uh, the, the tricky part about blockchain companies is if they had already issued a token, then, then on the legal side, again, I'm not a lawyer, but again, I could be a lawyer if I want to, because some of the times, uh, they do put me on a panel, uh, with other male lawyers talking about the SEC because that's my strength. I'm not a lawyer, but you don't have to be a lawyer to know about the law right? You just can't charge people about law. So that means I have to offer free advice because I don't have a law degree, but that doesn't mean that I lack the knowledge of, of what lawyers do. Now, some lawyers, uh, they do get intimidated by me because they can't bullshit 
with me, right? So when they they do BS, I say no, that's not no, that's not true. Uh, so I, I would catch them, but at the end of the day, um, in the Web three space, I'm trying to get back to your question. I think blockchain is good. I am looking at a number of blockchain, and then when I dive deeper into the due diligence phase, if they had already launched a token and they collected money, their white paper has to be super clear that it isn't connected to any forms of an ICO. If it is, then it's definitely going to have problems with the SEC because then the SEC is going to categorize that as a security. So I would not want to invest anything that the SEC is going to send you a letter saying, oh, well, you're going to be a security. Um, that wouldn't be good. So I do like blockchain. And then things like that, up and coming and if um you know if the idea if the ideas are crazy enough we might be interested because uh we're going after those founders that believe in you know move fast and break things i think that's a mark zuckerberg statement yeah. move fast and break things and so uh that's what we're interested in so we already have i don't know maybe 30 minutes 20 minutes past and then, so last word of wisdom, um, what would you say to the startups or even female founders who really want to start their own business or like, you know, who wanted to raise the fund in a space? Well, for fe female founders, again, you know, you got to be strong. Okay. I, I mean, 20 years ago when I started out, I was one of those super nice founder. I'm still nice, you know, but. But the difference between then and now is that because of my knowledge, no man can question what I do because knowledge is power, right? 20 years ago, when I first started out, of course, like most female founders or even male too, you know, you're getting your feet wet. You don't know what's right, what's wrong. And then, and then you get pushed around, especially women by the men, you know. But my advice for the, for the female founders is that get yourself mentorship, uh, find a female experienced founder and stand by them, especially someone like me. Cause again, I, I protect women. A lot of the VCs on Twitter know that, you know, don't mess with Jenny because within her circle of friends or people I mentor, uh, like today, I, I sent out a tweet uh, against uh, Brian Armstrong of uh, Coinbase. You know, he had just two dinners, okay? One in the East Coast, one in the West Coast. Uh, a total of 15 people, uh, probably seven people in the East Coast and eight people in the West Coast. And of those 15, only one of them was a, a woman. 14 of them were men. And he said, oh, this is a crypto dinner with some of the, the builders within the space. So I did a tweet and I say, yeah, I'm pretty sure only men built companies in this space. Women are not existent at all. I mean, he could have, at and, and he prays about that. I mean, if I were to host, and, and the thing, the reason why I pick up on Brian Armstrong, you know what? Kwaning has my permission to put this out there. Okay. The reason why I pick on Brian Armstrong 
is because my God's sake, he owns Coinbase. Coinbase, he gets customers from both male and female. And you know what? I'm one of his customers. Okay? And so at the end of the day, it saddens me. I mean, I'm saddened by the, by the fact that not only he had dinner, okay? And he tweeted out praising these dinners knowingly that there was just one female in there. Now, if I was Brian Armstrong, and if I had those two dinners, I would keep it underground. I wouldn't tweet it. I wouldn't tweet it. Okay? So, so he tweeted it. So then he has people like me. Again, I'm a defender of women. Okay? So I tweeted those two pictures. And, 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 and I gave him an F. Okay. Oh, I gave him an F because there's not that much thinking behind that. I mean, when you are Brian Armstrong running Coinbase, you know, Brian, if you listen to this or anybody's listening to this, tell them you need to think better. Okay. I mean, come on. Right. I mean, if Brian can show us that a hundred percent of the, the customers of Coinbase are male, sure. You can have all the dinners you want and invite only guys, but I doubt it, okay? So if there was 5% female, 10% female, those females having accounts at Coinbase, those two dinners better have similar percentage, okay? That's what I think, right? So I think Brian is walking the same thin line as the VCs, which I call them the old boys club in Silicon Valley, right? And so, come on, this is Web3 space. There are women in there. So respect women, okay? So ladies, okay, back to Kwaning's question, okay? You, you see how I defend women? I defend the space? Be like that, okay? So if you are a female founder, if you are a female founder, speak up. Okay. And if your voice hasn't been heard, reach out to people like me. I'm not the only one. There's not that many of me out there, but they're out there. Okay. Reach out. I do wish that I soon want to launch a female tech alliance of some sort. I'm still thinking. And through that alliance, uh, maybe the voices of everyone will be bigger than just me, myself, and I fighting, you know, a lonely path. But, uh, but yeah, so my final thing for, uh, everyone, especially female founders out there is, um, you can do it. It's tough. It's a, it's a, it's a tough world out there for funding wise. I've shared it too, just 2%. So don't expect much. So try to bootstrap, build something great, get revenue immediately, you know, and then uh, strive for that 2%. You can do it. If I can do it, you can do it. Okay. It's tough, but yes, you can. Thank you so much. I think that that is like um, overall kind of advice for not just for women founders, also for the ecosystem. Just that I think it's really, really good final touch. Thank you so much. And I guess that's it. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Uh, mm -hmm. Bye. 
As we wrap up today's episode, we would like to extend our gratitude to Jenny for sharing her incredible journey and invaluable insights into the world of entrepreneurship, finance, and future of technology. It's been an inspiring and enlightening conversation, and we hope that it sparked new ideas and perspectives for all of our listeners. Remember to follow and subscribe our podcast for more thought-provoking discussions with remarkable guests like Jenny. Don't forget to join our community on WhatsApp and Twitter by clicking the links down below, where you can let us know what kind of topics you would like to hear, or if you have any questions for our guests, we would love to hear from you too. Until next time, keep exploring, stay curious, and thank you for joining us on this unforgettable episode.